So in the Reading Corner today, I'm really pleased to be welcoming Ben Mantle. Well, Ben studied animation at Surrey Institute of Art and Design. And after graduating, he had experience of working on Tim Burton's Corpse Bride, one of my favourite films, uh, before moving to Brighton to work as head of animation in a media company, focusing on character and background. These design elements are particularly strong in Ben's children's books. I'm sure we're going to be discussing that today. Ben has been working as a children's book illustrator since 2008 and has gone on to write his own stories. We're going to be talking about his latest offering, Frog versus Toad, though no doubt we will touch on other stories too, including a particular favourite of mine, Bunnies on the Bus. So welcome into the reading corner, Ben. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you. We are going to talk about Frog versus Toad. So I thought I'd just explain for listeners a little bit about it, and then perhaps you could read some as a way in uh, to our discussion. So it's a verbal battle, this story, basically, between a frog and a toad, and it kicks off when they both catch the same fly for dinner. And the fly says, what a terrible day to be eaten by two frogs. Well, they're both insulted by that. The fly can't tell the difference between them. And they start hurling insults at each other. I have to say, it reminded me a bit of a rap battle <laughs> that was going on between them. Uh, things get out of hand and the metaphoric mudslinging turns into a literal mudslinging match. But more about that later. First of all, Ben, um, I wonder if you would give us a flavour of the story and read some of it to us. Absolutely. So, Frog versus Toad. Frog was hiding in the leaves. His stomach was rumbling. The juicy fly was almost close enough to taste. Snap! Dinner was served. Snap! Suddenly, another tongue flew out of nowhere. Hey, let go! I saw the fly first, mumbled Frog. No, ule go, came the reply. Oh, this is the worst day ever, squealed the fly. I'm being eaten by two frogs. Two frogs? How rude. That one is a toad, gasped Frog. Frogs are nothing like toads. Yeah, I'm not a slimy frog, bellowed Toad. The fly saw its chance and buzzed off. Wait, did you just call me slimy, croaked Frog. Well, you're dry and lumpy. Toad was cross. Oh, why don't you hop it, long legs? <laughs> and there we go. We've got a little introduction uh, to, <laughs> to Frog uh, versus Toad. Can I say how glad uh, that you you uh, introduced it with the metaphorical and literal mudslinging? Oh, uh, good. Because that was actually not originally in the book at the start. That actually was a sort of a, a publisher idea. And then as it sort of got introduced, I was like, oh, that's brilliant. It's sort of such a good uh, metaphor for the insult throwing and then the, the literal mud throwing. And you know, that's how ideas often come together, isn't it? They're not all there at the outset. Very often one thing leads into another. Definitely. And as all of my book ideas sort of start, it started with a really sort of ridiculous conversation with, with my uh, girlfriend, Alice McKinley, who's also a, um, a children's book illustrator and author. And we were just talking about 
sort of what would be a really silly sort of verses kind of book in the way that you have them, I guess, with sort of really cheesy sort of um, films of sort of sharks versus aliens or something ridiculous. Um, and we were sort of just riffing on that idea of what would be a really silly kids book and what would be sort of fun to see almost sort of going head to head sort of against each other when Frog versus Toad popped into my head. And so that's sort of, it really did start from sort of a really silly, sort of a pithy idea and then grow into something sort of I quite different. Uh, I mentioned in the beginning about your uh, animation background. And in a way, this is a real class in character development because you've got to, you've got these two amphibians, one frog, one toad, and you've got to make these characters very distinct and get the frogginess of a frog and the toadiness of a toad. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the process that you went through to to develop these two. Well, a bit of research, and then it's it's pretty much just onto the sketchbook, just drawing a lot of different frogs and a lot of different toads, and then sort of boiling down their essence, I guess. With the frog, you know he's going to have to be sort of physically different because that's what this book is is a you know sort of really is about is the the physical differences so mm-hmm. you've got sort of skinny long-legged sort of shiny big bulging eyed frog uh, versus sort of the sort of a squat uh, wider toad with his small eyes and and that sort of allows with a, a little bit of exaggeration to sort of help the sort of insults i guess as well one of the great things is that we're introduced to frog before the story proper starts and he's just two big eyes looking over the log and that's a point in case about the kind of exaggeration of his characteristics the book is a, is a tricky one in that respect and i think that was the battle with frog and toad is because they have to look close enough to be related as you you know you find out in the book they are but that there's enough difference between them to sort of a for them to believe they're different and for the readers to sort of start off thinking that as well, I guess, and to see, you know, just to sort of be aware that Fly has got this has got this wrong. Now, this may or may not have been in your head at the time of creating the book, but as a reader and somebody that obviously spends a lot of time analysing books, um, you suddenly become aware of a theme that's going on there that is they're more alike than they are different. And, of course, you can apply that to people as well yes and then we've got the twist in the tale which kind of reinforces that too yeah definitely was that part of your thinking well I've drawn these two characters this sort of little sketch of frog and toad looking at each other and I was sort of starting to figure out the sort of bare bones of the story and I was actually influenced by I guess the times you know you couldn't avoid that we had the lovely president Trump talking about building a wall to separate uh, you know, himself from Mexico and that, and that idea and, you know, like Brexit and all that kind of idea, it was, it seemed like there was a narrative at the time of looking at differences rather than similarities. And that definitely fed into the idea of the book. And that's why I liked about it was that hopefully it's not too sort of didactic with its sort of message because I, I did want it to also just be a really silly, entertaining book first. You have a background in character and and kind of background setting design. And so I looked at your books, you know, with that kind of view in mind. And we're going to talk a little bit about another book, Bunnies on the Bus, in a moment, which is quite different. But this one, it seemed to me that you were almost setting up a stage or a wrestling ring for these characters to (laughs) perform in. I wonder what it was like for you and how you decided to 
create the world for these characters? Yeah, well, actually, when I was writing this, I really had the idea in my mind that it would be two main characters and quite a simple setting. And I've always sort of thought that a book is sort of like a mini theatre in itself and like each page turn is just a sort of a a set change or a you know a, a new act almost so that very much was an influence for this book definitely so I knew I wanted the world to be really contained and feel like a set and it was really just about the characters being sort of forefront I mean there's a few little sort of background characters in there as well uh, which I can't just I can't not put into books it seems I know they're just gorgeous. And, you know, what what I do think about your books that work so well is that they have so much child appeal. I know from watching children read that they love to spot those little things in pictures. And, you know, an adult and child are going to be going back to this book time and time again. Night after night. Yeah, definitely. They sort of always have that in the back of my head, that idea of repeat readings. And I really like throwing in those little hidden things and the little visual things that can either be skipped if you don't want to (laughs) read them that night, or if you want to sort of indulge in the book, you can delve in a little bit deeper. They love insects, ladybirds, which you've got in there. You've got your ants and your spiders. So they'll be really happy. <laughs> well, I think I think as well for the child, it's sort of it's almost like a little secret that they're sort of letting on because they're not necessarily in control of the words, but they're in control of roaming around the pictures and, and delving in and seeing what they can find. Yeah. Now I I absolutely love your the humour in your visual storytelling. And we're going to talk about that in with bunnies in the bus because it's superb. But it did seem to me that both writing and illustrating this book, Frog versus Toad, gave you more scope to closely juxtapose text and illustration to humorous effects. So, for instance, there's a part where Toad mentions Frog's swivelly eyes and the frog says he hasn't noticed. But, of course, the illustration exaggerates the swivelliness of their eyes, that kind of ironic moment, which you could only really be in control of if you have both the text and the image to work with. So did you find that, or do you find that writing and illustrating afford you a different kind of creative freedom? Yeah, I I mean, I'm, I'm not a natural writer, I wouldn't say, you know, certainly coming from the illustration side first, but it's really lovely actually to sort of start with that text and then you you know to start drawing and then and the two influence each other and that's really lovely and you can you can do some really nice bits of sort of self-editing because you know exactly what the image is at at quite an early stage or you know roughly what the image is going to look like so actually you can you can remove text that is is unnecessary or you know or you can really play around with it as you're sort of mapping out that story so so definitely, it, it absolutely does allow you to sort of play with them a little bit more rather than as opposed to sort of receiving a text, which, you know, might have a few changes once you've illustrated, but generally it's pretty locked in by that point. Interesting. One of the things that I try to do with both adults, because I work a lot with teachers and children, is to look closely at pictures in picture books to see if they can see how the pictures have been made whether they can discern things about the material or the textures. Of course, it's actually quite difficult to be 100% sure in a world that is so digital, where you can create so many effects digitally. And I, I sort of appreciate that. When I look 
took your illustrations, it looks to me as though you use a range of materials, including digital processes. I could be wrong, but they look to be marks like crayon or pastel and watercolour. And I'd be interested to know more about what you do use and the expressiveness of different types of materials. Well, firstly, you've done you've done well. That's good guesswork because Frog versus Toad is is sort of pastel charcoal sort of shape drawing and then that's scanned in and then coloured digitally so I can then sort of overlay it and change the colours as I go. Uh, and with them with a bit of sort of pencil texture thrown in or sort of um, even sometimes a bit of paint for the, for the mud, there's a bit of sort of paint splattering uh, going in there as well. And the same with, with Bunnies on the Bus is pencil drawings or pencil, it's almost like sort of scribbling the shapes and then they get overlaid onto digital to sort of to do the colour. I, I love the effects of traditional sort of mediums, the sort of the happy mistakes that you get with them. Uh, and then obviously the total benefit of doing it digitally and being able to change a, a colour in a few seconds. And it's funny actually, because, you know, from an animation world, I started very digitally. Everything I did was pretty digital because mm. that's sort of how we made stuff and how we animated stuff and everything was looked digital and then when I entered the the publishing world, there was definitely a sort of a an aversion to digital artwork at that point. And children's books was was a much more traditional watercolor sort of pastel sort of kind of medium. But it meant that sort of as I started, I was hiding the digital bit of my work. And then actually, it's it's actually just what I do now, and I really enjoy that process, mm-hmm. even though it is quite. <laughs> Like it, it can be really laboured, um, like drawing out every leaf separately. And, and so I'll usually pastel them in, in grey scales, like sort of, you know, like have a, a medium grey, a light grey and a dark grey, and I'll work between those colours to get my sort of tone and variation and texture. And then they're scanned in and, and coloured. So it is it is laborious, actually, to, uh, sometimes. But, um, but, I, but now I, it's, yeah, definitely something that I think ties my work together um is that use of the the two it's funny where it sort of started from was like a sort of a feeling like i had to do that um and now the sort of publishing world is is, is a different i think a different landscape to, to certainly when i started always interested when people choose to do the laborious stuff <laughs> because there's something about the process of doing it for yourself not just the book at the end i think for some people anyway Yes, definitely. There's um, you really miss it if you don't do it for a while. Like just the just the freedom of some of my newest stuff uh, that I'm doing at the moment. It's it's actually quite a bit looser because I'm sort of playing with the charcoal a little bit more and letting it do its own natural thing. Because my my battle is definitely fighting the refining bit too much. Like digital is 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 such a powerful tool that it's almost you know you can zoom into to see something that would be, you know, sort of like a, a hand width, but you can have it, you know, to sort of at such a microscopic scale that you can keep on refining and refining and refining. And that's the beauty of traditional work is you is those those mistakes and the fact that you actually have less control. I'd like to bring in bunnies on the bus. So again, just to introduce this story, it's about a brood of bunnies, text by Philip Arda. Uh, they board a bus and create havoc. 
It's a situation that anyone will recognise if they boarded a bus at the end of a school day. There's a lot going on in the pictures, however, that are not uh, in the text. And so it seems to me this is a very different book to Frog versus Toad. Um, Again, it's got really strong child appeal. And I'd just like to start with the beginning of that book, you know, this, this, this townscape. It kind of leads you to think about the whole world. And there are lots of windows and everything that's happening in those windows is potentially another story, some of which will come together in the main story and some of which won't. So faced with this text, you've turned it into something completely different. So how did that happen? The beauty of Philip's text is, and, and, and having written books myself, it's it's really hard to sort of cut down your words. And that's something that Philip does so well, um, that the text actually just allows me the room to almost do like whatever I want and I think when I first read it you know you you just get a sort of a word document through and it had such a lovely rhythm to it and so you want to read it fast Um, and so there's a bit of me that was like okay you're gonna you know you could potentially get through this book quite quickly so I was like okay if if this you know again is going to have some repeat you know readability it's great if you can go back and you can then spot bits it's more than detail, though. You've actually put in a whole new narrative. They're lemurs, are they? Yes, they are lemurs on the on the first page with with a map who are distracting the elephant driver. But yes. then there's the raccoons that are wanted, aren't they? Oh like, yes, the squirrels who are. Um, the squirrels. Got yes, <laughs> it's the the bandana. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I knew pretty early on with with bunnies that I was going to try and add some sort of other narratives running through. And that was tricky. I, I mean, we're we're actually working on a second at the moment, and it's tough because you're trying to make sure that the the text narrative gets its own time to shine because it's you know that's important, and then throw in all these little interweaving stories, and you've only got you know the sort of twelve, fourteen pages to sort of get those narratives in as well. So it was a lot of planning on who was appearing on what page, and like you say, actually, it's 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 funny you sort of noted the windows on the first page because they're again going back to that kind of idea of books being theatre it's like shining a spotlight on your story so each window is the starting sort of act for each story Mm. but yeah that was tricky to say the least a lot of going back and forth and then sometimes knowing where that character is going to end up and then working it backwards it's a really tricky tricky bit but definitely that's a bit of my animation influences, I guess, coming in as well, because I think animation does that really well. So one of the things that I wanted to ask is where you have got so much going on, how do you draw attention to the key part of the narrative? Composition, I guess, is the the first thing. And I, and I think that's actually more how I draw. I see things almost as a the page is a camera or, a you know, a sort of a stage. And so you place your, you know, your main character's, either in the foreground, in the lightest part, you know, your, your sort of composition either leads you round, you know, when in bunnies, you've got the road to fit in. So you have this natural path running through a page that's actually greater, almost leading you through a story. You know, you start left and travel right, which is how you read a book and also, you know, the direction the bus is travelling in. So composition was a, was a big thing. And then lighting, you can use that to your effect as well, because, you know, sort of you can play with the contrast of dark and lights and, you know, 
putting that contrasting figure in makes you you know draws your eye to them um so there's definitely a bit of that play as well yeah and on that first page you talk about the road being a sort of movement or pathway there's actually quite a lot of movement in that first image there are letters floating in a particular direction and the wind and everything is kind of pushing you towards the bus even though it's very busy you're constantly being pushed towards the bus yeah and that was definitely intentional you use all those tricks, right? Sort of, um, it's funny, actually, I was listening to another podcast you did with Dapo, who was talking about illustration as magic. And I thought that was actually quite a nice metaphor for it, because, you know, magic is sort of about hiding your tricks, right? And I think that's the same with creativity and, you know, art and publishing and, you know, sort of picture books is you're hiding those tricks. You don't want them to be too obvious um, but they're there and you're using those tricks uh, to sort of help guide the the viewer through the book reminded me a little bit I don't know if Richard Scarry was ever part of your reading repertoire as a child but the characters reminded me very much of something like busy town and of course it's called sunny town isn't it on the bus (laughs) you know a a few people have have said that to me actually Mm. and he I guess he has that idea of quite simple text and then the sort of visual storytelling bit as well. I also thought I detected you enjoying the process for its own sake. I mean, did I did I detect four beetles crossing a <laughs> zebra crossing like Abbey you, you Road? Did. <laughs> I like to throw in the odd thing because I, I think of the adults reading the book at the time and it's really funny just to throw something like that in. And I love it when that gets picked up because, you know, a whole load of people will read it and not see it. And that's why it's in there, is it's sort of there to reward the people who are paying attention to the sort of the details. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, Bunnies especially was was great for just throwing a whole load of silly stories in the background and then seeing who who spots them. Yeah, good fun, really good fun. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit about the traditional qualities in... Uh, your artwork it has in in spite of what we've been saying about you know animation and uh, digital work the actual stories themselves feel quite traditional so they belong to that classic tradition of storytelling Um, I wondered who your main influences are yeah I would say I loved the scary children's books, you know, so there was I, I'm Coming to Get You. I don't know if you remember that book, which I loved. Yes, the Tony Ross one, mm-hmm. uh, which I loved because th- there was something really creepy about it as a child. Until you get to the end. Well, yeah, yeah, which also I love because it's that classic thing of pulling the rug from under your feet. It's sort of you think you mm-hmm. know what it is and then at the last moment changes your perception, which is which I, I love about it. And even though as a kid I knew that was the ending, it was still it still went back to being scary. Mm. Um, and then obviously you've got, the, you know, some of the classics uh, where the wild things are and, um, you know, those sort of things. But actually, I guess my inspirations really would be more animation based, mm. I would say. I mean, classic Disney ones, Pinocchio, although I watched Pinocchio recently and boy, that film is creepy, but the art style of it, definitely. Just thinking about the animator who did that, I think he was the animator for Snow White as well yes yeah which I just adore I can't believe how old it is yeah and still feels but that's the beauty of those um writers they don't grow old they're so timeless that they and it's weird I mean you know like you could say the the politics of things have have changed a little bit but you can still watch them and appreciate 
the craftsmanship of them mm, for yeah. sure so we've got a new book is it with a Philippada text yes in process now it is yet yeah, more more bunnies it's called bunnies on the boat so even though they at the end of bunnies on the bus get on a train philip has decided to put them on a boat this time okay just to really mess <laughs> <laughs> with everybody well, i suspect airplanes will come in somewhere along the line if you not in the next you... book maybe the one after that you wouldn't be wrong <laughs> <laughs> and what about your own writing projects what's next there honestly i don't know hopefully with with walker again uh, and i do have an idea that's sort of at really early stages which will actually probably be quite different to frog versus toad in tone maybe and that's I think that probably sums me up, which is I tend to jump around a little bit from serious to silly to sort of digital to traditional, um, a bit of a sort of a magpie uh, short. <laughs> yes, exactly. From lily pad to lily pad. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, it's been so delightful talking to you today. I've really enjoyed it. And you've given me so much insight into your books. It's brilliant. Thank you so much, Ben. Oh, thank you, Nikki. It was lovely to chat to you too. In the Reading Corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do leave a review for us. To find out about other projects, including an audience with events and the Exploring Children's Literature Summer School, visit www.exploringchildrensliterature.uk. Join us again soon in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.